0: Hello and welcome to episode 260 of Retro Encounter, RPG fans' weekly podcast of many topics. I'm Mike Solosi, and today we're going to get a little spooky, but not too spook spooky. Um, just, you know, address a very small slice of the pumpkin pie of spookiness. Uh, but joining me today is first, Hilary Andruff. Hi there. And second, Audra Bowling. Hello. All right. Hillary, Audra, Halloween is soon. Uh, this episode is going up a couple days before Halloween, and we have a special feature planned for uh, RPG fan in general, not just Retro Encounter. On Halloween, we are posting a feature about vampires. All three of us wrote for parts of it. About six or seven RPG fan staff uh, all uh, wrote it all together. But we, uh, a couple months ago, we were casting around ideas of what to write for Halloween and landed on vampires because... Uh, first of all, vampires are are a very Halloween thing, and second, vampires are just cool.
1: They are.
2: Can confirm.
0: (laughs) So, uh, um, listeners, uh, if you're listening to this podcast right when it comes out, the feature probably isn't out yet. I think this is, like, going up the 29th or something, and the actual date of Halloween is the 31st, of course. Please check around for October 31st, 2020 if you're listening in the future, to read that article. It was a lot of fun to write my portion of it, and it's, uh, I've seen it in draft form. It looks really good. So please check out the Halloween 2020 Vampires feature. Uh, for this podcast, we're going to overlap with a lot of what is discussed in the future, just talk about some of our favorite RPG vampires, why they're cool, why they're scary, why they're sexy, because vampires have always been kind of weirdly sexy. Like they're sort of associated with romance, like like the act of taking blood is is sort of weirdly intimate. Like for, I, I think that for being movie monsters and and murder monsters, they're also kind of romantic. Is that am I completely insane in thinking that?
2: No, they've had those sorts of associations from way early
0: on. Yeah,
2: and it's only gotten more pronounced over time. I oh, would
0: say. Yeah. <laughs> you you could say some recent vampire fiction really lays the romance on thick, but that that's definitely not a subject that we're going to discuss the mo- the most romantic recent vampires and of sparkles, fiction. Yes. Yeah. No, and, and uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we, we can we can pass on that one if you don't mind. Um nope. I have not read any of those books or seen any of those movies except I did see the second half of The Last or second to last Twilight movie when some of my friends were having a drunk watch of it playing a drinking game and, so, and i joined part way through and i had no earthly idea what was going on but there, there was
2: i did something similar with some um naginata martial arts dojo mates. <laughs> we had drinks after an event and ended up at the theater seeing part of i think the second one
0: i believe that the last one was divided the last book was divided into two movies and i don't remember mm-hmm. if it was if it was final movie part one or final movie part two but it was one of the last two and so that's the only one i've seen it all but it, it seemed pretty wild and people were very drunk but we, that, that <laughs> that's is, probably
1: a good way to enjoy it
0: yeah uh, this is by far the most twilight discussion that has ever happened on an rpg fan podcast and it is ending now uh, <laughs> let, let, before we jump into a bunch of video game vampires do we have a favorite vampire it can be in video games or outside of video games whether it's um, live action film Animation, uh, literature. What are some of our favorite vampires? Uh, Do we have a volunteer? I'll go. Go It's going to be
2: based a lot off what I've seen recently. So, sure. Recently, I started watching Angel, which is kind of oh, I missed it by a long stretch of time. Yeah, in the vein of the like heroic kind of do-gooder vampire. A little bit. Um, I
0: would mention him. So yeah, um, the three of us are about the same age. So that uh, that show came out when we were all in high school. So yep, yeah, um, a, a little less than twenty years ago. Okay, I got into Buffy and Angel a little bit late too, but it was uh, it's like it was the favorite show or shows of one of my close friends, and she lent me DVDs a couple years oh, after yes. they came out. So I, I am I'm a big Angel and Spike fan. I'm not going to deny it. Yeah, um, uh, do, do you have a uh, do you have an, a favorite vampire in fiction?
1: Actually, I was gonna say Spike.
0: But... Oh no, let's get into it.
1: <laughs> I quite like him from. I haven't seen all of Buffy and Angel, but the episodes I've seen of it, I actually quite liked him.
0: I he he's remarkable. He's one of those breakout characters, like a like a Steve Urkel, that where he was supposed to die early or just be in a couple episodes early, but he ended up being so popular that he sort of took, if not take, took over the show. Uh, became a huge presence in the show because again he yeah. was a, he was a season two villain who uh, was in like one episode of season three and then was a major character for the entire rest of Buffy and one season of Angel and he's he's like the best character in Buffy in the around, yeah. the, around the around the season five six range. Um, Thank you, James Marsters. <laughs> yeah, hugely entertaining dude, and way better <laughs> as as Spike than when he was Piccolo in the Dragon Ball Z live action movie that no one should ever discuss. So yeah, let me think. My uh, do I have a favorite vampire that's not in the video game? Because I mean, we'll, we'll get into some of my favorite video game vampires. Uh, I mean, I mean, I, I'm a big Alucard and Castlevania fan. We got uh, yes. Uh, my, there's a certain Disgaea vampire whom I adore. I oh know.
2: shoot! I want to mention Sassy Alucard from the uh, from the Netflix series. Oh, oh, from
0: the sure yeah. He he is quite sassy. And they even gave him some video game power stuff in that. Like he gets his uh, sword familiar. And his animal transformations, and his awesome hair. He, they did do a really good job by Alucard in the Castlevania movie.
1: Yeah, I think so. I Agree. That's another one I need to watch.
0: It's good if you if you have if you have ready access to Netflix, then it's an ex- it's extremely entertaining. It's not even that long. I think the whole run of seasons is maybe ten to twelve episodes right? <laughs> They're short seasons, yeah. Yeah, it, 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 like I think the first season was only four episodes, but then it got, it, but then it, it did really well, so they just made uh, the other seasons are longer. Yeah, on Netflix Castlevania, we even had a whole episode of Retro Encounter on it back in April, I think? I'd have to check a calendar. But let's see. Speaking of checking calendars, um, hmm, favorite vampire. got to think of something. Uh, Blade. That's right. I'm landing on Blade. Uh, those, those Wesley Snipes movies in the late 90s, early 2000s. <laughs> um, his role in Marvel Comics. He's even in a couple of the Marvel video games. Uh, there have been some, some good Blade comics and, anima- and appearances in animation over the years. Uh, Morbius is also a, a random comic book vampire that's, you know, that's in a good run of things. Uh, there's a really good st- vampire storyline in a, in an old uh, comic series by Brian K. Vaughn I used to read called uh, called The Runaways, which I think had a, a Hulu adaptation. Yeah, lots of vampires in comics, but uh, Blade is maybe the most fun. So, okay, we've got Blade, Spike, and Angel, a bunch of non-vampire words that are also names of vampires. <laughs> uh, but none of <laughs> None of those three fellas appear in the feature that that's coming on Halloween or in our main discussion today. Our favorite vampires in RPGs, video games in particular. Uh, Audrey, let's pick an, an item off our big list to discuss.
1: How about the Suikoden?
0: Right. And, um, I mean, th- there's one huge presence in <laughs> Suikoden Vampire, and that is Nicklord, which... I thought it was supposed to be a bad translation of Necrolord, but no, his name in Japanese is also Neclord, uh, the Lord of Necks. He is a, almost a, a per, almost like an exaggeration of the Western idea of a vampire, but uh, he is kind of scary and really cool and has really dope battle music.
1: Yeah, somehow it works with him. <laughs> I really love pretty much the whole resolution of his story arc, and so we get into.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and in Suikoden 2, they add a second vampire character, and she sort of joins uh, around when you're trying to take down Necklord for the second and final time.
1: Yes, Sierra. She's awesome. I quite liked her.
0: And Suikoden's so so unusual. Like, they really build the mythology of that world a lot, and uh, there are characters that have known each other for decades and characters meeting for the first time. Sierra has sort of been around for... Hundreds of years, and she knows some of the other people on the team. But she joins almost; she almost forces her way into your party, right?
1: Right, and basically, in order to take down Necklord. Lord, which because there's a whole backstory there that was really interesting that they went into in um both Suikoden two and the Suikogaiden. Gaiden. Gaiden?
0: I'm trying yeah, to think yeah, of it. Yeah, Suikogaiden. Yep. Are there other vampires in Suikoden? Because I've only really played. I've only really played two and a little bit of one and three, trying to get into it and mostly failing. But but, uh, but I I really really liked Sweetkin Two. Are there is there other vampire fiction, vampire mythos in, in that world because it's such a broad world and there's such a variety of characters. I wouldn't be shocked if there was a late coming vampire and another one.
1: No, not that I'm not that I remember.
0: Huh, all right, that would be. They kind
1: of went to different mythology stuff after that. Like mermaids and.
0: But it, even if you had made up an answer and said that there was a Suikoden tactics fa- coven of vampires, I would have believed you because Suikoden just is so <laughs> is so broad and goes and goes crazy places. Mm. Uh, and, and and Sierra doesn't she have a special rune attached to her that like that gives her extra powers? Because a, lo- a lot of the Suikoden like you know uh, power She's arrangement comes in rune form.
1: She's the bear of the tr- the moon rune, which is the true a true rune.
0: Right. And there's a different moon rune that's not the true moon rune and you rhyme moon and rune a lot trying to figure it out out loud. cuz <laughs> cuz had the moon rune also, right? Yeah. That, he it stole
1: it from her, I think, was.
0: Okay. Yeah, and she's trying she's and yeah, all right. She's trying to get it back, mostly get it out of his hands because the true runes are really powerful and dangerous. Um mm-hmm. And every In game is basically centered around, uh, f- like securing or preventing an apocalypse from one of the true runes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, In 2. I think, uh, you know what, I'm going to say it. Uh, we did In 2 in 2018 and in 5 earlier this year for the podcast. I can almost guarantee we're going to do another In game in 2021. We've been talking about it a lot behind the scenes. And es- especially with, uh... Um uh, a with uh what what was that um a- 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 U- Den. A- Den, yeah AUden Chron- Chronicles uh uh being such a success in 2020 like th- there's a lot of squeegeen hype so I'm pretty sure we're going to do another squeegeen episode in 2021 but I won't I can't say which one it is or when it's going to happen but uh there is interest among staff so that'll, that'll be fun. Okay. Uh, hi- uh Hillary, you have any opinion on Squeegeen Vampires or is it time to move on? Awesome.
2: I I like the association with the moon. I'm actually not super well versed on them, so it's good to learn about them. Any I was gonna ask anything else I should know about them as characters, like any other reason they're
0: particularly cool. I, it all really comes back to Nick Lord's awesome, awesome battle music. It is <laughs> okay. it is great. I I, I, I used yeah, it. He has some
1: great lines too.
0: Yeah, no, he has a lot of very dramatic Bela Lugosi-ass stuff. But the uh, gotcha. But the. Uh, uh, I would play Nickelodeon's battle music for this episode, but we used it definitely for uh one of the Suikoden episodes in uh, in fall twenty eighteen. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hold back. But yeah, yeah. Like Nice. Uh Suikoden two, excellent, excellent game, and um Nickelodeon Sierra are two bright points of the many in that game.
2: Hey, okay, Also, Bella Legosi, October birthday, so near Halloween. Oh, happy and birthday, my birthday Bella. Buddy, too. October twentieth. Happy
0: birthday, Bella. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, like, uh, Bela Lugosi, he was in the, one of the theatrical adaptations of Dracula in, like, the yeah. 1920s, and be- when he was a Hungarian immigrant, he didn't speak a word of English, but was desperate to make it on the stage, so he learned all of his lines as Dracula phonetically. So the the, the weird cadence and weird accent that we associate with Dracula and the, you know, the slick-backed hair, uh, sort of fangs-out-the-mouth look, that's all Bela Lugosi, and mostly because he couldn't speak English at all. <laughs>
2: Which is interesting because that's made its way into a lot of again, the pop vampire culture. conventions in, in fiction, right, and pop culture, some of which we might even talk about today.
0: Yeah, and, and the Transylvania region, where which we associate with uh, Vlad the Impaler and Dracula in general, is I think modern-day Romania, which is not that far from Hungary. So it's, you know, th- there, there's a Slavic connection there, sort of, even though hung- the Hungarian language isn't Slavic, it's... It's it's Central Asian. It's a, that's a whole mess, but like that part of Europe and Bela Lugosi's p- portrayal of Dracula is a lot mm-hmm. of the uh, Western vampire image that we have today, which is pretty cool. Because I mean, I mean, Bela I mean Bela Lugosi sounds a little bit like Solosi. so I've always I've always <laughs> I've always enjoyed that you know extremely tenuous connection I have to Bella as the great grandson of Hungarian immigrants.
2: We're fans here. Mm.
0: Anyway, but speaking of Dracula, let's talk about Dracula for real next because uh, I, I think, personally, when I think of video game vampires, Castlevania is maybe the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, Castlevania from a Konami series from the late 80s, uh, basically a straight-up 2D action game. And then it took a big swing for towards RPG with uh, Symphony of the Night in 97 in Japan, 98 worldwide. In In every Castlevania game, or at least most of them, um, a mysterious castle appears out of nowhere, called Castlevania, and that castle is alleged to appear every 100 years, uh, with its master Dracula trying to drag the world into hell, or take over the world, or do something pretty bad. And try he... something in Eternal Night. Oh yeah, it's it's always something like that. But his uh, but his his goals are always vague. And to a point like Dracula almost becomes as hunted as the humanity that Dracula is trying to kill it's it, it, and it's explored pretty well in that Netflix series we we mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. Um, they have a very cool angle, I think, on Dracula and his uh, and his legacy but in general, the, the story idea was Castlevania rises every hundred years, and they break that rule all the time by having people by having direct sequels and visiting the castle only a few decades later most of the early Castlevania games, each one is in a different decade, with Symphony of the Night maybe being the most vampire-y one, because it's Dracula's, uh, half-vampire son Alucard, taking him down in Castlevania in that particular game. Uh, and the Castlevania Netflix series is based a lot on, uh, Castlevania III Dracula's Curse, which stars uh, Trevor Belmont, and also its sequel, Castlevania Curse of Darkness for the PS2, which adds characters, um, but yeah, yeah, for for uh, w- w- uh, for whatever reason, the uh, the Castlevania Netflix series mostly draws from a NES game, a PS1 game, and a PS2 game that are mostly connected. But it's still an interesting story choice. But uh, yeah, Castlevania, it's it's usually it's almost always Dracula being taken down, and this is a really cool ornate gothic version of Dracula. He has amazing hair and clothes. He has a contract with the Grim Reaper and a bunch of other demons there's a really creative boss and action design that can vary pretty wildly game to game sometimes Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's a shame that Konami is really not making any games anymore because the only Castlevania we've gotten in the past couple years are uh, modern system versions of older Castlevania games which is not the worst but still a little sad that we're probably not going to get new Castlevania maybe ever again
2: yeah when you put
0: it that way Uh, Konami so do, uh, do uh, any of us have a favorite Castlevania game, or uh, a favorite version of Dracula in them? Because, I mean, there's a lot of vampires in these, but Dracula's the standout, of course.
1: I have not ever played a Castlevania game, so I oh, can't Oh, Audra,
0: you're killing <laughs> me! You're killing me! And I'm rising from the dead again because of this episode, and then you're killing me again.
2: Sorry. Aww. That's okay. We're undead. We can handle it. Mm. Dracula's just a really cool throughline. I I always think of Alucard and when I think of Castlevania, La Dra- Castlevania Dracula, wow, my mind immediately goes to the this Belmont Smash reveal. Oh right, where, yeah, mm-hmm. where the the particular thing that they chose from Castlevania to add to the stage was that Grim Reaper.
0: Right, and uh, and there's a there's a Dracula boss fight in yes. uh, in Simon and Trevor's. Uh, story modes in that game so they they they, well smash is very very keen on references and nostalgia so they put a lot of castlevania classic stuff in uh in trevor and richter's uh i'm I'm sorry no it's simon and richter right i think i I said trevor before it's simon and richter in smash richter is the main character of castlevania uh rondo of blood and a and an npc in castlevania symphony of the night but uh, yeah, yeah um, Simon and Richter in Smash uh, th- with Dracula as a boss fight in story mode. A lot of cool stuff there. The, the Dracula Castle stage is also pretty cool.
2: Yeah, it's, it just it just shows off everything that's Dracula Castlevania. The ornate castle, kind of like chapel area, the Grim Reaper, awesome boss fight, all, all of that. And I'll always have an appreciation for Alucard just because his, his story is very much... I don't want to call it dramatic, but, you know, half-vampire.
0: I mean, it's, it's sort of very edgy and melodramatic in, yes. a, in a 1997 way that's just awesome. Yep. And, and if I were to identify a personal favorite Castlevania game, it, it's hard not to pick Symphony of the Night. Oh, because, definitely. Yeah, just because the action and the castle and the characters are so awesome. But uh, we got a really good of sort of Symphony of the Night likes uh, in the 2000s and maybe early 2010s. And uh, the one that sort of sticks with you the most are the uh, the duo of Aria of Sorrow and Dawn of Sorrow, which, shockingly, like, it's not clear that Dracula's in the game, because when his castle appears, uh, there's a bunch of people wandering around like, well, Dracula's not here, but there's something at the top of this castle. And it <laughs> it introduces, like, Dracula almost as, like, a concept where there's a bunch of people trying to inherit his powers, and... Uh, the main character, Soma, can defeat monsters and use their powers and collect them in a big list like Pokemon or, or Final Fantasy Blue Magic or something. It's, for, for gameplay and story concept reasons, I really like those two games. Uh, Aria is for GBA and Dawn is for DS. Dracula, a great video game vampire. Castlevania, maybe the premier vampire-y series of video games, even though there are literally multiple games called Vampire on our list. Yes, and,
2: and many Belmonts that have
0: tried <laughs> and defeated him. Mm, yeah, Ju- Julius Belmont is the Belmont in those uh, Sorrow games and, and, and he's a good Belmont too. I like I'm about to like me some J Bell. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, uh Hillary, what's another uh video game vampire we want to tackle here?
2: All right, I've I've got to choose my favorite first. I really like the Sibling's in the Shadow Heart series a lot. So that is Keith, Joaquin and Hilda or Hildegard. Their last name is Valentine, and they are. one of them is in each game, but they also do kind of, like, cross over and make little cameos in each other's games, which is adorable.
0: I, I, I think I was on the record um, when we did a, uh, some Shadow Hearts Covenant episodes a couple years ago, but I adore Joaquin. He is one of my favorite, like, PS2 RPG characters, full stop. But let's talk about him for a minute. He is a masked wrestler slash masked vigilante fighter, uh, slash, like, t- transforming superhero who, mm-hmm. uh, who can become, you know, who turns into, you know, uh, uh, different versions of wrestlers and bats <laughs> of, of, of different, uh, ba- based on his biorhythms and, uh, and the phases of the sun or moon. And his weapons are found objects uh, where he'll, you know, he'll be, he'll be strutting around and you'll see a mailbox and Joaquin will be like, that mailbox... I must have it, and Yuri's like Joaquin, don't rip out that mailbox. That's that's somebody's mail. They need that mailbox. And Joaquin's like, no, I must. And then he. But there's right, so
2: much love in this mailbox. Yeah, it's it, carrying the well wishes of this dear family.
0: Yeah, and he and the mailbox is his next good weapon for the next five hours or something. And, and <laughs> his uh, weapons eventually are a skyscraper, skysca- a submarine, a I think maybe a coffin at one point. But they're, they're basically just large blunt objects that he carries over his back like a lumberjack hauling around a tree. And, My favorite
2: uh, is the frozen tuna. Yes, in Russia.
0: Mm-hmm. right. I, I think I think his strongest weapon is literally the uh, the SS Nautilus submarine from Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. Uh, I think you're right. Yeah, so it's yeah. He Joaquin, carries around
1: a submarine.
0: Yeah, he just he carries around a submarine. It's about again. It's about the size of like. You know, like a coffin, or like a, a uh, or like a telephone pole cut in half. It's it's not it it's it's not like taking up the entire room, but it's all right. I have to, I have to say it. It's only a model. Yeah, it's it's only that's Okay, it's only a model for the okay. submarine. It's been a while since I played that thing, uh, and and, I, and part of it was definitely late at night trying to beat it in time for the podcast. Uh, I just really wanted to quote the Monty Python line. <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow, that went right over my head. My bad. Uh, (laughs) No worries. But but Hilda also has sort of a weird, um, body-changing, transforming angle to her gameplay.
2: Yeah, she does, and honestly, I am a little bit undecided on how I feel about it, because gameplay-wise, it's really, really, really fun, (laughs) gameplay-wise. But she, she has a slim form and a curvy form, and she just alternates based on Whatever personal similar rhythms to her brother, and she's really really powerful. But that, I don't know. Just something about the vacillating between. As a health professional, I think I just don't like that.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, that, uh, that, yeah. that that evokes um some you know uh, low mental health, low self esteem, eating disorder kind of visuals, yep. uh, and, and, and like and it's clearly done as a joke, which does which does not make it better, but. uh but it's, like, it's like yeah, I wish the joke was in slightly better taste, maybe. But and and, and Keith is in for the, the, the Valentine sibling from the first game. His powers aren't quite nearly as wacky as his two siblings. He's he's just no. he's, he's just a cool vampire boy. He
2: is a cool vampire boy. Um he, he has the blue castle. Um he's the first one in the family that you meet in the first game. He he kind of like when I first met him, had an an Alucard kind of vibe a little bit. You know, he was a vampire, but he was just kind of tired of the vampire life a little bit. Mm, And he was protecting the area where he was from. And uh, not to spoil too much about Shadow Hearts, but something happens to Yuri. Um, He ends up kind of unrecognizable at the top of Keith's tower. Keith runs into the rest of the party and goes, I don't know how he got here, but sure, I'll help you out. And he joins the party and he... I'm trying to think of how to describe him, because he does have some sort of, like, vampire-y abilities, and I think he can transform into a silver bat.
0: Right, and uh, um, Joaquin can transform into a golden bat.
2: And Hilda's a peach or or pink bat.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. All right, we're about 60% of the way to a bat sentai. I'm into it.
2: Yeah, that's true. (laughs) I wonder if they have any more siblings. Anyway, they would, have to, the they would I... have to
0: be red or blue because those are the two colors in every yes. single Super Sentai. But yes. I, 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 I digress. Um, <laughs> all, all three Valentine siblings are really cool. Uh, again, like Joaquin's my favorite character in my favorite of those three games. So I, he's I, so I, earnest. I, yeah, he's so earnest, and he doesn't realize that uh, his wrestling mentor is, uh, is you know maybe trying to sexually assault him, but he thinks it's all training, so he just sort of takes it in stride. Uh, it, but, like, it, it's... Uh, Shadow Hearts is so weird and wacky, and the fact that they have a trio of vampire silly siblings, one of whom is, like, a lolly... is a lolly goth girl, and one of whom is a masked luchador, it's... Yeah, it, Keith's it, the traditional one. <laughs> yeah, Keith is the most normal one, and he's, and he's still cool, so... Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and Shadow Hearts is a little bit deliberately dark and gothic and weird, so like, just having a vampire around kind of makes sense in all of yeah, those. Yeah,
2: and I think I, I, I think I pointed this out. I actually did the blurb for them. I think I pointed this out, but it's especially interesting that the series has that sort of, like, gothy, dark feel, but one of the more comedic and, like, lighter points of the whole thing is the vampire family. mm
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> You could even say they're blood-related. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm getting fired for that. But anyway, uh, so <laughs> let, let's move on so I can maybe quickly edit that out. Uh, speaking of comedic vampires, i got to talk about my favorite video game, Vampire, and that's Valvatore's from Disgaea 4. Um, uh, D- Disgaea has had vampires almost since the beginning. There's a vampire monster class that you can recruit and even level up in Disgaea 1. There's a vampire uh, 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 sort of mid-boss named... Uh, named Madaris. He's he, There's a, another character literally named Midboss, but that's a different fella. And, and Madeiras is blackmailing one of your characters, and there's some there's some betrayal and some figuring things out, and then you defeat him, and then you sort of uh, force him to join your party. Uh, but the, the real Disgaea vampire is Valvatores from Disgaea 4. He Va- Valvatores was a really dangerous, really powerful, cool vampire that you might think of like, you know, like the, the monstrous kind of vampire from western or eastern myth. Uh, but then there he meets a young woman that is uh, that is not afraid of him, and he is so uh, and he is so taken by her that he promises that he is not going to drink anyone's blood ever again until he fr- until he's gives her a real scare. But unfortunately, the young woman is sickly and dies before he can scare her. Aww. So uh, and, and and the subtitle of Just Gaia 4 is a promise unforgotten. So over 400 years, Valvatore loses all of his powers and and is and goes down all the way to level one. And is a, works as a prinny instructor in hell. And prinnies are uh, basically sinners that have been stuffed uh, after death are stuffed into, um, into plush penguin costumes and used as slaves. So he's, he's basically a supervisor for the lowest of the low in the, in the underworld where he lives. And his best friend Fenric is a werewolf who's desperate to make Val the cool Valvatore as he used to be. But Val's like, no, it's all good, Fenric. I'm just going to be a prinny instructor. And uh, instead of drinking blood for centuries, Valvatorez has been eating sardines, and all the time talks about the nutritional benefits and greatness of sardines. And it's sounds uh, like
2: he's been hanging out with the Prunese for too long. He
0: has. He's he's gotten real weird. And this is also a young Troy Baker voice role. So like, if you want one of the top leading men in voice acting to dramatically say sardines, then then this guy for is basically your only option. But. Uh, and, and, and is, is unusually principled, and, like, like, again, he was a terrifying, uh, demon lord vampire 400 years earlier, but he's, but now he's trying to do good, a good job taking care of printies, and when a few of his printies start acting unruly, he, uh... He you know steps outside his box a little bit and notices that there's a bunch that the uh, the local government is really screwing things up. So he basically gathers a small army to take over his local underworld and set things right again. And it's a uh, it, and this guy 4 is kind of a you know it has a sort of an anti-corruption thrust to its main story. And uh, <laughs> one thing it doesn't that I think is hilarious. Um, I, I think uh, chapter six is called the final episode. But it's not the final episode. Like the, the last four episodes are all called the final episode, and they oh my God. And, and they they resolve some character's story only for another surprise uh, world world ending threat to to arrive the next time. So again, this guy, it's it, it's a uh, it, it's a satirical periodical game. Uh, it goes for comedy a lot, and they have one of the funniest goofiest anime vampires I have ever heard of in the central role, and it's it's excellence. Uh, is. He was my avatar on PSN for a while. I like that dude so much. So, yeah, uh, you want a, a real goofy, funny anime vampire in an exploitable, weird strategy JRPG, Disgaea 4 is the center of that Venn diagram.
2: Awesome. That's a strong endorsement.
0: Yeah, and I, I, I know I popped off a little bit there, but I, I, I sort of figured I'm probably the only person here that's played Disgaea 4. I, I don't have John Tucker on the podcast with me this time. Ah. Are, are either of you Disgaea players? I played one and some of two. All right, no, that I have
1: not played either <laughs> any oh, of them no. yet. Sorry.
0: No, it's all good. You don't need to apologize. Like, there's, yeah. there's too many games to have to have played them all. I I, I, I true. uh again this list I've played oh ba, 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 maybe half maybe a little more than half. So, so I never feel bad about not playing something. But this guy has been around a while enough that you can get him a lot of places. Most of them are available on PC. Uh, one, four, and five have Switch ports. Uh, Disgaea 4 is a PS3 game that I believe had a Vita port and then a, a more recent Switch port. Um, oh, I should get it then. Yeah, I, I, when they were making Switch ports, like 5 came out first, and then they did complete, quote, complete end quote versions of 1 and 4, skipping over 2 and 3, which is a bummer because I really like Disgaea 2, but also, yeah, 1 and 4 are the best ones. They, that, that's what they were going for. And, pl- and plus, a couple years ago, Nipponichi was in financial dire straits, so maybe they decided to skip the line ahead to 4. Uh, but, but yeah, the Disgaea games, uh, they do they handle movie monster stuff in a lot of strange ways, but uh when they do vampires, it started out with that, you know, goofy ass Medeiros in Disgaea One and the even goofier, even awesomer Valvatoras in Disgaea four. So, uh, Audra, I, I I think I we skipped over your turn. Uh what's another um RPG vampire we want to go over?
1: Well, actually I love um Marival from Wild Arms Two.
0: Okay, now Jeez. i uh, now this is where I have to apologize because I played a lot of Wild Arms One and a lot of Wild Arms Three, but I, but never two. So let's talk about Marivelle a little bit. Yeah, tell us because I haven't played Wild Arms Two either.
1: It's a pretty fun game, but I mean, there's some localization issues that I think.
0: Oh yeah, I mean that that's that that's what early PS One. So yeah, I'm sure yeah. there's I'm sure it's a localized mess. I mean I mean I mean Two is a localized mess, and that's one of the all time greats. <laughs>
1: Well, uh, Marivelle, she's been around for a while. She's a... I think she was friends with the Sword mages, which is like a legendary saint character in the, in that Phil Gaia. So she's been, I think, at least a thousand years old or mm-hmm. so, and she's outlived pretty much everyone and, that she knew. But she's actually kind of... I like her because she's more of like a dork. <laughs> She's into technic- technological gadgets, and she invents things and cre- fights with r- giant robots.
0: All right, okay. I it. That's not exactly things I associate with vampires, but I'm intrigued.
2: No, but I love this concept already. You get yeah. old enough, and you just get dorky and play with gadgets.
0: Yes. Or, or you get old enough, and you realize that, oh, the coolest thing is actually giant robots. I should have been doing this for all thousand of my years instead of recently.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty funny with. She kind of stands out just because she's a little bit of a a dork. Like she tries to act aloof and calm and every and cold and everything, but then it's like I have a giant robot.
0: You know, wild well on the usual. Kind
1: of blue magic, too, where she takes mm-hmm. on abilities
0: from enemies.
2: That's definitely interesting. That's a trend with RPG vampires, for sure.
0: I I think it's because, like, the act of biting something and drawing its blood is a way of sort of taking them into you that, you know, you can logic your way into saying, now you have (laughs) their powers.
2: Yeah, it's, like, one of the best ways for it to translate.
0: Yeah, and then also, I mean, vampires are monsters. They have monster powers. I I mean, that's... What, what, where are we now? Uh, that that was true of uh, Soma Cruz in a few of those Castlevania games. It's true yep. of Lester DeRosso in Briefly Default to a degree. Uh, it's, it's also true of the legendary webcomic Axe Cop, where you turn into something if its blood gets on you. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, if you have not heard of Axe Cop, uh, go to Google and check it out and thank me later. But, uh, <laughs> but back to Wild Arms too. Wild Arms has always had an interesting relationship with technology, because it's it's basically a you know, Wild West spaghetti Western setting, but with uh, ancient civilizations with super technology that you're uncovering. So there's, there's giant robots in, I think, all of the Wild Arms games, or at least the ones that I know yeah. a little bit about. And, uh, and so, so it's like it's cowboys and magic and samurai and giant robots. Giant robots. And again, it kind of all fits. And, and evidently Wild Arms 2 has vampires, which was news to me until I, until I read your part of the piece uh, a, maybe a week or two ago
1: think she's supposed to be the last of them.
0: Alright, okay, so there it's like is... like a
1: major plot. <laughs> okay,
0: so, so there's not a ton of vampires in, in Wild Arms 1 that I've forgotten it over the decades.
1: Oh, no. No, she's like the last one, and I mean, it's sort of a sad story because she just isn't sure she wants to be friends with people at first because of that.
0: Well, there so is... she kind of
1: just stands out a lot.
0: There is something lonely that's about the vampire life. I mean, that's part mm-hmm. of the character of Keith Valentine yep. and, uh, and, and Alucard and others. Um Let's see, not Salvatore's, because if anything, he sort of, like, is becomes surrounded by friends in spite of his vampirism. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Hilary, what's another one from the list that we should talk about before we shut shop?
2: Um, let's go with one that's villainous. Let's mm-hmm. go with the ones from Illusion of Gaia.
0: Oh, yeah. Because um, I'm not going to pass up an opportunity to talk about Illusion of Gaia. I also enjoy Illusion of Gaia. I uh, I played a lot of Illusion of Gaia and Terra Enigma, but never uh, but but never Soul Blazer. And it, I, I mean, I remember the Vampire Siblings because I, they're the bosses of maybe my least favorite part of the whole game. Oh boy! Yeah, yeah the dungeon Mew or Mu, which is a sort of a a famous lost city in some uh, East Asian uh, folklore. Uh, is a really challenging dungeon, slight difficulty spike for that point of the game, and you fight two vampires uh, simultaneously as the boss, and they they are not easy to deal with. I, I remember being stuck at that part of the game when I played it many, many moons ago.
2: Yeah, very, very common
0: to, to get stuck there. Yeah, not surprising. It's, it's a bit of a gameplay wall, but let's talk about them.
2: I'm trying to remember, because there is a cutscene. You do kind of, like, get a glimpse. They have... In the Seaside Castle, right before you go to move, if I'm not mistaken, you you kind of get a glimpse of their standard villainous vampire life with a little bit of that, you know, quintet um, judgment about humanity, how they've Mm. been treating people really badly, if I'm not mistaken. Um, But then you go through this dungeon that's a difficulty spike and a bit of a slog and long. And then you get there, and they have one of your crew... Attached to a bomb, which I'm not really sure how they got into modern
0: explosives. But that's one of those weird anachronisms. Vampires have been around for a long time, so maybe they just have ancient bomb technology that hasn't survived to the modern, <laughs> right. modern day.
2: We're not exactly sure, but your friend is there and there's a timer and they have really strong coordinated attacks, so they're pretty impossible to get unless you can corner one of them and get one of them. And yeah, they're just tough. <laughs>
0: But they are cool. I mean, I, again, uh, yeah. th- that whole Quintet trilogy is anachronistic and goes weird places, a- almost with di- with disparate elements, you know, not uh, not terribly far away from the Wild Arms discussion we had a minute ago. That's but, true. But uh, Illusion of guy is a really weird, thought-provoking game, and they just throw two vampires at you around the midpoint in a hard dungeon.
1: <laughs> oh, just no lead-up, just kind of there they are?
0: <laughs> just, you get one again this I played this game a long time ago you get you do get them in a cutscene sort of right when you're walking going into Mew or maybe a little before then and then they appear at the end of a dungeon with your friends attached to a bomb oh wow. it's uh and 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 they're hard but they but they are cool it's a, it's a do you, what were their names again Hillary
2: oh jeez i need to look that up again
0: because mm, it's an, it's it's a a male and a female vampire yes and uh and they th- have
2: like the the cool like contrasting
0: looks. Yeah, they have different looks and and they I think they basically move around the same manner but they have sort of slightly different attack patterns. They so, do. Yeah, they yeah. have
2: slightly different attack patterns, positioning, but they also have a really strong dual
0: attack. Yeah. So so focusing down one and then killing the second one uh, which is I think maybe faster and more aggressive but better but you know, better to stop stop hit, getting hit by that dual attack. Again, again this is like maybe the The hardest part of the game in my memory maybe like the very very end is a bit tough too but yeah yeah, the Illusion of Gaia really interesting game it's got some vampires in it too Uh, now we're mostly sticking to the parts of the guide that we wrote but there was uh, uh, parts of the guide uh, parts of the feature that we wrote but um, we got contributions from all over RPG fan staff so let's jump into a couple uh, a couple games that maybe we aren't as familiar with Uh, yeah um, Elder Scrolls V: Skyrim. You've heard of that, you know that uh, that low key indie title. Hardly anyone's play it, played it. Uh, <laughs> right, you know, so like popular it's on I, Alexa. I, I barely, heard, I've barely heard of it. You can probably play it on a like on, uh, I don't know, an on an i on an iPad. <laughs> but there is a whole vampirism system in Skyrim. You can find vampire monsters and become a vampire yourself. And if you even go around, you know, mostly human towns as a vampire, you'll be you know, treated like a monster, and everyone will attack you on sight. Va- vampirism is, is, like, you have to become sort of a stealth murderer uh, if you become a vampire in Skyrim. I, I didn't do a lot of that uh, vampire or werewolf stuff, because I mostly just liked being a human and doing my quests and, and uh, and you know, doing stuff around the different towns. But uh, the first expansion to Sy- Skyrim, Guard um, introduces you to a society of vampires, and an order of vampire-hunting knights, and you can sort of pick sides and uh, and do... And, and and explore a whole new corner of the Skyrim world, and uh, and that was a really... I think that was the first big expansion to Skyrim. Uh, I could be wrong about that, because I only really played the base game for a little while, and I'm, I'm not the biggest Skyrim guy. Uh, but, I mean, it's pretty cool that one of the biggest RPGs of the whole 2010s has a whole vampire expansion.
1: Yeah, and that is pretty cool. I don't know much about Skyrim, unfortunately.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes they make fun of our website and call it JRPG fan because we, we do, our, our tastes among staff do skew more to one side than the other. Although, although of course, that, that, that's, not, that's not a blanketly true statement. That's an oversimplification. But this list has more J than W in its RPG vampires. Um, but another Western one that I have played a little bit is Vampire. A game that only came out only a year or two mm-hmm. ago. Uh, I demoed it at E3 a couple of years ago, and then it was free on PSN in the month of October. So, if you're listening to this podcast now, you have right when it comes out. Maybe you have another week or so to download it for free. Uh, uh, PS Plus subscribers. Um, oh,
2: good, good plug. Nice timing.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean if you're listening to this on, <laughs> if you're listening to this on October 29th or 30th, you only have a couple days left. But, uh, but, but it was um, part of the PS Plus. Uh, Games of the month for October 2020, and it's a, a a pretty interesting take on sort of vampire open world concept. Again, I only played a demo of this, although it is sitting fresh and full on my uh, on my PlayStation account now. But you can sort of go around as a local lord, vampire, sort of righting wrongs and solving mysteries, or or just killing people and draining them dry in uh, in your sort of local uh, couple of towns. And the way, <laughs> the way it seemed to me was, um, you can sort of, like, use a blood sense to determine how healthy someone is, and you you can get a little bit of experience by fighting, but a ton of experience by drinking someone's blood, and there's a you know a limited number of people around town, and you could you know maybe this friendly NPC is a really healthy person, so they're uh, they'll give you a ton of EXP, but uh, but killing them will you know. Because they were a pillar of the community, we'll make a lot of enemies, or people will be searching for their killer, or uh, you, or maybe like you won't be able to do quests with them in the future. Well, you know, some wells that could probably be the town would probably improve with them dying are not very healthy and won't give you a lot of experience. And so, w- when I was doing a demo at E3, one of the designers, uh, I, th- I think they were French. I th- um, this game was developed in Europe, um, was describing it to a- me as like as like going around town and writing wrongs and so- and solving stuff and like improving someone's life might make them healthier enough to give you more experience when you finally kill them. So going around <laughs> doing going around doing side quests is like fattening up pigs before eating them. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> which, which is just such a deliciously dark angle for an open world game.
2: <laughs> I mean, you could look at it that way. Like the more I read about this, the more interesting it is to me. I I really should check this out because just the idea of a vampire having to consider how healthy their victims are is not something that comes up super often but it's especially interesting because they set the game in london 1918 during a flu epidemic
0: um we did review this for the website when it came out in 2018 and caitlin loved it she gave it an 89 out of 100 and uh and especially citing the atmosphere and characters and uh and and your and choice efficacy because you know you a lot of the story paths and the open world elements in this game allow you to kill people that could affect the story later, so or, d-
2: you know delay things like you said, mm-hmm. but th- lots of consequences and choice. It sounds like oh, that's exactly the type. That's right up my alley. I need to try.
0: Yeah, I, I remember thinking the game looked a little bit buggy and messy uh, when I s- saw promotional materials for it, but its final product was like you know, sort of better than my expectations. And and Caitlin, and Caitlin was not the only positive review of it over the internet. It was like, it, it, this is a cool game that does a lot of cool things. So it was a no-brainer. I'm a little bit uh, cautious of downloading every single thing every month on PSN, on PS Plus, because I have limited, <laughs> you know, cause I have limited space. And I know that I, I won't play most of the games that I download. But when this was a free one, I'm like, well, damn, I almost bought this a year ago. On, on the PS4, it goes. Yeah, I'll have to
1: look into that one. I didn't realize it was...
0: Out. yeah well I mean it came out a couple years ago and I think it's all I think, I think oh, and it's, then on the
1: PS oh, oh,
0: oh sure yeah yeah it was I think it was, I think it probably was a PS uh, a PC game first but it, it is yeah it is a uh, free for PS plus subscribers in October 2020 let's see where else do we want to go uh
1: would Morin count as a vampire oh
0: from Mass Effect uh, yeah, yeah it was I always kind of, hmm. well all right all right now the, the, uh, that's a very fair question um, Morinth or Samura, technically, but but Morinth is the one that actually uses her vampiric powers, while Samura swore off them and, and uh, almost is like, like, like she became, uh, because Samura also has those powers, but she remains celibate so as not to kill anyone, right?
1: Oh, I just thought she had like the gene potential for That's it. What so That's pertinent. what it was, you're right, you're right. Our kids
0: got it. That's that's what it is, and she has she had multiple da- daughters, but Morinth is the one. No, no,
2: that... she's a carrier of vampirism.
0: Yeah, she basically yes, yes. Samara is the the, the the there's a okay, we're we're dancing around a little bit, and in, in, in Mass Effect two, <laughs> there is a condition that some uh, women of that species have. Oh, what is a? Oh, what, Asari? The... Yeah, sorry. Uh, I, I was I, I couldn't think of it. It's been so long since I played Mass Effect, but some Asari women. Uh, when they mate with someone, and they and they mate at a psychic level, so they can uh, copulate with any species. Uh, some of them will kill their partner every uh, at every single um, after every session, but it's but but it it like it sort of unleaks unleashes their psychic abilities and gives them a uh, and gives them a, a euphoria that's sort of unmatched. So Morinth is one of these vampire-like Asari, and Samara is her mother, and Samara, who is a a, a strong warrior has been, you know, trying to track down her serial killer daughter for a long time. And uh, part of the quest is, uh, you know, you meet Samura, you agree to hunt down Morinth, but then when they're, like, fight- when they're fighting each other, you can choose to kill off Samura or kill off Morinth. Ooh. And if you choose to kill off Samura, Morinth will, like, take her mother's armor and masquerade as Samura, but, you- but you'll have a, you know, a dark, evil Asari with you instead of the do-good, yeah. or-, instead of the do-good or Asari. Which is a pretty fun choice to make, and and I, I, again, I forget what the name of that vampirism in Asari is called, but <laughs> it's, it's it's a cool idea at least.
1: Yeah, I guess it'd be more like a psychic vampire or
0: mm, I, something. I, I couldn't remember the name, name Asari because I, because I didn't want to say oh Liara's species because I think of you know I really associate <laughs> uh, Asari with 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 the Asari that's with you for most of the Mass Effect games. Fair. Kind of like it's like. Oh, uh, Krogans aren't Krogans, they're the Rex Grunts. Like, <laughs> that, that's also very unfair of me. Um, shoot, I, I was so into Mass Effect for, like, two years when I played, like, all of them twice each, and but I haven't played Mass Effect in something like, I don't know, seven or eight years. I, maybe, maybe, it's, maybe I should replay it down the line, because I really enjoyed them.
1: Yeah, I did, too. I need to... It's been only, like, two years since I played it, but I want to play it again.
0: <laughs> there was rumors of a, uh p s four xbox series s uh trilogy remake that i uh i don't know if the rumor if uh it's been confirmed or not but people have been talking about it on gaming podcasts and websites for at least a full at least a full eight months so i i think that i think that's more of an inevitability than a rumor yeah hmm, are there any are there any vampires in dragon age i don't i don't think so hmm
1: not that I'm aware of.
0: A lot of blood, a lot of betrayal, not really any vampires.
1: Yeah, I mean, blood mages can do stuff with blood, but
0: that's about. They sure can. <laughs> but you know, let's stick with blood for one final entry. I I insist on talking about before we close. Before we close, and that's bloodstained. Um, we, yes, we, <laughs>
2: that's the one I was gonna pick too.
0: <laughs> um, we talked about Castlevania a little bit earlier in the uh, in in the program. But uh, one, of the, one of the key Castlevania personnel um, from the late 90s into the early 2010s was Koji Igarashi. He was the assistant director who did a lot of design work on uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. And then he was, the, he was a director or producer for almost all of the Castlevania games in the 2000s. I, th- I think he wasn't on the Circle of the Moon team, but basically all of the others. And uh, so he sort of became Mr. Castlevania for uh, for quite a while, and he even would attend conventions and make public appearances wearing a whip and a fedora, because of be, because of his love of Belmonts and Indiana Jones. <laughs> that's great. He's also weirdly tall. Like w- when I when I met him at E3, he uh, he's like a a six foot or six one Japanese guy. Like you, that, that that's a little uncommon. <laughs> <laughs> like him, him towering over all of the other Konami people or, or Microsoft people, because I, I I met him at the uh, I, I saw him at a Microsoft arcade space. But yeah, um, so Koji Igarashi was uh, ousted with a lot of other Konami creators in uh, in the 2010s, and joined a, a bevy of them because uh, you know both uh, Hideo Kojima and the Sweekiden creator had their own uh, had their own independent projects after leaving Konami. And Koji Igarashi's was called Bloodstained. Bloodstained, I mean, just looking at the early materials of it, it was obviously Castlevania in all but name. There was a uh, mm-hmm. there was a stained glass sort of aesthetic, where uh, people became powerful magic users when they when their bodies start being corrupted by a mysterious crystal, and you can uh, uh, put the powers of of monsters into the crystal to gain powers. Uh, not not terribly unlike the uh, the sorrow Castlevania games, and there's a lot of gothic horror action and vampires in this, uh, culminating in a battle that's basically. Uh, basically, the famous vampirist from literature, Carmilla, like like attacking you with all kinds of crazy blood crap. Uh, <laughs> like 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 I think it's like waves and uh, and just and blood and, and spears of stuff made of blood and it's just it, it, it's yeah it, it's basically Dragon Age blood magic but in action RPG form. That that was a bit of a alarming cutscene to see for the first time. Also,
2: boy, I bet. Mm-hmm.
0: But, uh, but... And it, it,
2: it's interesting and, and worth noting that, that the protagonist in Bloodstain does have that almost vampire-like ability to take on you know powers from monsters, but at a cost.
0: Yeah, it's um, a little bit of like she becomes more of a monster the more powerful she gets. And it's, it's explicitly more of an association with demons than a vampires, but, uh, yeah. a, like, like in the text of the game. But, like, it's still very gothic visually. Uh, the church is involved as sort of an NPC. There, there's some good and some bad people associated with the church. Uh, like, the alchemy of those crystals is a major plot point. Um, but maybe the, the most vampiric it gets is with a character named O.D. And uh, I, don't, I don't know, have you guys played Bloodstained?
2: I, I, like, I have Vicariously, I've seen a lot of it. Okay. I was not the one okay.
0: There's a character <laughs> named Orlok Dracul. And go ahead and Google image search him right now and tell me that isn't Alucard from from, uh, Castlevania. But you'll be lying because uh, Orlok Dracul is voiced by Robert Belgrade in English and Ryotaro Okio in Japanese. And both of those were the original voice actors for Dracula in Symphony of – I'm sorry, for Alucard in Symphony of the Night. Um, They put – they – in all but name, they put Alucard in Bloodstained, gave him the original voice actors, made him a librarian, just like the librarian in Symphony of the Night. Uh, the, the powers are actually kind of hilarious. You can check out books from the library, but and, and, they, and they give you stat bonuses. And as your library card improves by unlocking more of the map, you get more and more books. But if you take out a special collection book too far away from the castle... Then Orlock Dracul hunts you down and yeah, and is a special boss fight. So like yeah, <laughs> he's he's, he's, I, I basi- love it. he's basically a super awesome. a super sardonic vampire librarian reference to Castlevania Symphony of the Night, and that's not the last Castlevania reference in Bloodstained. You can unlock an <clears> a, <throat> an eight bit version of a, uh, a sort of like an eight bit corridor or dimension that is <laughs> very very similar to Castlevania One in in both its looks and its uh, and how the uh, And and uh, and it's monsters, but bloodstained. Not a Konami or Castlevania game, but throwing up references and middle fingers to Konami (laughs) left and right every time.
2: (laughs) The library was on that screen. That was like the most excited I got watching Bloodstained. (laughs) It's my favorite
0: setting, favorite character. He looks just like Alucard and is voiced by Alucard. And there you go. And and he has a very much of a role as like, oh, it's you. Hmm. So you want to check out a book. And uh, and and also because uh, we were talking about how vampires have advanced technology and are techies, um, uh, OD has access to camera and mirror and um, and and printing technology that uh, that is undiscovered by the humans, which which is valuable because at one point to get onto a demon train under the castle you need a you need a train pass, <laughs> That's and right. so you have to talk to OD. He'll tell you to go get camera stuff, and then he'll take a picture of you and print out a train pass for you. <laughs> so he's a so he's a you know he's a notary public and a print shop in addition to a li- in addition to a library. How convenient! Um, really, modern amenities, and uh, he od provides a public service. He's a best character in the game, <laughs> and uh, again. J- if you if you know nothing about Bloodstained but a little bit about Castlevania, go ahead and do a Google image search "OD Bloodstained" and you'll see exactly what I mean. Um, and maybe I've been I've been glossing around it but not really mentioning it. Bloodstained's good. Like like I was yes. I was worried it would be a train wreck um, because it had a bit of a troubled development history. It was delayed by two years, ended up coming out in 2019. Uh, a couple of versions were canceled. I think the 3DS and Vita versions were um and the switch version was a buggy mess there there's a uh it was a little troubled but it ended up just really good uh like um the main character Miriam has a lot of cool powers the uh the castle is diverse and cool there's a there's a setting that's a, a rotational tower so it's sort of like one <laughs> room is like the base of the tower but as you travel up and left go left and right it's a contiguous circle so it's a uh, like it's a confusing Möbius strip trying to figure it out on the map, but it's really yeah. cool. Really cool playing it in game. Uh, the map it... is
2: cool. There's so much customability too. Mm-hmm. Like...
0: Oh yeah. There, there's you can you find a hairdresser zombie yes! and and a ta- and a tailor <laughs> zombie you. that uh, that let you customize your outfit a little bit and uh you can it... change up your look. Mm-hmm. It's just a really cool feature-rich. Kitchen, kitchen sink approach to a Metrovania game that was Igarashi clearly just going all out and making exactly the same the kind of game he wanted. That was you know a lot like classic Castlevania or or his version of Castlevania, but uh, but with plenty of non weird Castlevania stuff in it, like you know printing out train passes from a from a from a vampire librarian and uh, cooking and oh god the cooking system is so huge that I, I actually. Uh, ingredient hunting became a major part of the end game for me playing that thing. Uh, right. It's like, oh man, I need to just get a ton of milk and eggs to make. Butter- sesame? To make to make butter and <laughs> dough, because I got to make because I need pizzas and cakes to trade to this lady for the for uh for the taking revenge on everyone side quest. Oh, okay, there's a lady who wants to uh, will give you prizes if you if you avenge uh if you avenge the deaths of a bunch of villagers and all the villagers are named after Castlevania characters. Uh. Uh, again, again, he's like avenging the death of his baby Castlevania. Speaking from Koji stand- standpoint, like it's yeah. It's, wow, that's that's on the nose there. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you, I mean, you can read. In, maybe I'm reading into it a little bit too much, but there's uh, <laughs> Bloodstained is both an excellent game in its own right. But if you're if you're a Castlevania fan and you know a, a fan of just the of just Konami taking just taking one to the chin then uh, it becomes that much more fun. Uh, again, it maybe isn't for everyone, because it's a little messy and buggy, but I, it was one of my favorite games of last year. It's a, it's, a bloodstained is excellent. And it's also an excellent time to end the podcast, because we, st- we started with some classic RPG vampires, like your Neclords and your Draculas, and then we end with uh, psychic vampires and, and satirical vampires taking aim deliberately at Dracula.
2: But kind of in that classical style.
0: Oh yeah, it, it, it's it's a very gothic game. It's like uh, Bloodstained is not a comedy necessarily, mm-hmm. but it uh, <laughs> it is taking aim at vampire fiction, especially a certain Konami vampire series, <laughs> and uh, and I think mostly hits the mark. I, I'm a big Bloodstained fan, uh, Bloodstained Evangelist even. But anyway, uh, you know it, the the witching hour nears, and I must feast not on blood but on I don't know maybe a burrito uh so let's uh bring it into the podcast hillary and audra thank you so much for joining me it's been a minute since i would have podcasted with you audra you, you, you haven't been on the podcast in six months i haven't I talked to you in probably a year that's a that's that's a that's a terrible shame i apologize it is all my fault but uh, oh, no, was...
1: <laughs> hopefully i'll be able to join a few more
0: yes please you, you know where to find our google doc in the sky but, mm-hmm. and, and Hillary, always a pleasure chatting with you. We talked about some, uh, some serial killers and some uh, real trippy tunes the last time that we uh, podcasted we together. We
2: did! Still kind of creepy, still in line with the mm-hmm. season.
0: Ooh, they should, they should put a vampire in a Persona game. They haven't done that. Yeah! I, I, I would know if there was a vampire in a Persona game, because that, that, that's a very specific intersection of my interests. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, alas, maybe Persona 6. Maybe Disgaea 6 will have a vampire. We know know that that one at least exists. But, um... Th- thank you, Hillary and Audra, but also thank you listeners for joining us on our weird, rambling vampire discussion. Who knows if I'll let all of that Bella Lugosi and Twilight uh, discussion in, in <laughs> into the final edit. Maybe I, I cut it all out and you're really confused by right now. But I, uh, regardless of your level of, uh, co- of cohesion or confusion, thank you for listening. Um, we have a lot of uh, exciting plans coming up in Retro Encounter. I've planned out the rest of 2020, and I'm eager to get to it. Next week we're doing the uh, Kangao... Uh, Mm, indie visual novel JRPG Finding Paradise. That game is really cool. I need to finish it this weekend so I can podcast about it with Zach in a couple days. But uh, you're, you'll hear about that next week. And also in November we're doing two episodes on Final Fantasy Ten Two, 2 That uh, girl power Final Fantasy game that looks crazy. I'm getting, uh, I'm getting texts about it from Peter uh, <laughs> uh, like about the next crazy thing. And I'm like, like, dude, I've barely started it. You're way ahead of the game. I'm excited to play that thing because I think I mentioned this in other episodes, I played that game for like an hour 15 years ago I thought the menus were awesome and remember nothing else. So that is going to be an adventure, me getting uh, revisiting Final Fantasy X-2 very soon. And also, uh after that, I, yeah, we can talk about it a little bit. We're doing an episode on crowdfunding where, uh, where Bloodstained and other, um, and Aiden Chronicles and probably other games that you've heard of uh, through Kickstarter or, or FIG or, uh, or other crowdfunding services might make appearances. Crowdfunding, has, I think, has been one of the biggest things to happen to video games in the 2010s. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, how many of your favorite games started out as Kickstarter projects? Probably a couple. Uh, and a good
2: avenue for vampires.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, they're they're not making they're not putting vampires in AAA games anymore. So it's up to the indie scene, and and the grand crowdfunding has energized the indie scene. It, it it's it makes sense. Uh, people love vampires. There's,
1: there's going to be a vampire in Eden,
0: Actually, you know, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised because we know that the Suikeidan people love them some vampires. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the the character designs in the in the the early art we've seen for AUden are incredibly diverse. So good. The, the, the character designs are awesome, and I I haven't been following it that tightly because I mean it's a twenty twenty two game. I'll get excited later, but I'm not yeah. I'm not shocked that there's a vampire in it <laughs> because of that because of that pedigree.
1: I think they even had people voting on the design on different designs for it
0: they had they had the castlevania honcho koji igarashi appear in one of the uh hype videos for auden chronicles in his signature hat and signature whip (laughs) it's a circle of life (laughs) connections Uh, there we go but also in in, uh in december there's five thursdays in december so i'm not going to say what the main game is but we're doing a special uh episode in the first week of December to celebrate the 25th anniversary of Tales of Fantasia. That's one of my favorite Super Famicom or Super Nintendo Yay! RPGs. Uh, but I, I won't say exactly what the episode's about, because it's a little weird. But we are going to talk Tales for a little bit in December. So if you want to uh, talk anything with us, the best way to do, to reach us is to email retro at rpgfan.com I usually respond to that email address. We will, I will uh, take any, fan, any comment or any... Uh, any Any criticism directed to us, the other best way to uh, comment or criticize us is to rate us on iTunes or Google Play, or however you are, how you are listening to us. Um, but in addition to Retro Encounter, RPG Fan has three other podcasts, Random Encounter, Rhythm Encounter, and Phoenix Edge. Please uh, please rate, review, comment on those, and listen. Uh, Rhythm Encounter just recently returned after a long hiatus. Phoenix Edge is mostly focused on current events. Random Encounter is focused on randomness. All three are worthy listens in addition to Retro Encounter. But not, RPG Fan is not just podcasts. We also have message boards and a Facebook page and an Instagram page and a Twitter account and a discord server and a twitch stream every day <laughs> there might uh there are so many ways to experience rpg fan and so many ways that our staff is creating content please interact with us however you can and i'm just looking at the other games we didn't cover for this episode uh, we go uh, the feature covers secret of mana Bakti's y2 trails of cold steel erevorn mm-hmm. saga frontier vampire the masquerade sacred bravely default and let's see that's one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve 13, 14, 15, <laughs> oh,
1: 16, 17
0: vampires! Listeners. Audra, how can listeners find you?
1: Um, actually, I used to be Audra B at RPGFan.com, but I don't know if I still have that email or not.
2: You should. No. It should have transferred over.
1: Okay. So, I need to check that.
2: And Hillary. So best way to reach me is Hillary A at RPGfan.com or EP Fire on Discord, and I'd like to add that the best way to criticize us is constructively.
0: Oh yes. <laughs> I don't care. I will take any criticism that you levy towards me. I'm Michael Solosi, <laughs> and if you want to find me on these social media, I am at the real monsoon and at Evoker for Dogs on Twitter. And on RPG Fan Discord, I am Monsoon Mike. Ah, the children of the night. <laughs> Thank you. (laughs) Good evening and good luck.